We're back! Season 3 is here, y'all! Turning the page with your hosts, Jer and Jell. We're not relationship experts, and this isn't professional life advice. We're just two ordinary souls willing to share our extraordinary journey in the hope of inspiring and encouraging you. Join us for Season 3 at Jaren Gel Podcast. Let's go! So we will talk about how to embrace change during difficult times and how to navigate all of the life unexpected crossroads that that are ahead yeah that could happen you know a lot of times um depending where our age i guess where our age is and like when we're navigating through life a lot of times we don't plan for death we don't plan to be prepared for our family not to take that burden or that that you know one for one thing they're dealing with loss already but now they have to deal with taking care of everything and changing mm-hmm. stuff over and taking on property or, you know, if maybe it's vehicles or insurance or whatever. There's a lot of details that come with yeah. losing a loved one. So uh, we'll first start with the importance of planning for loss. I mean, a lot of people don't plan for a loss because you think, oh, I have time. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next year when we're less busy. Uh, but the reality is that We can't control what life throws at us, right? And so how do we plan ahead or at least start the discussion of planning for loss with your loved ones? So today we kind of want to go through some topics of what those stages are or I guess each category. There's a couple categories that we've we've set aside, but we want to kind of go through each one and kind of talk about it. Uh, go through the information. One thing is just to get you thinking about it. And, um, you know, my wife has experienced this personally in her life. So this is going to be something that we'll be able to share and talk about. And yeah, um, I think it'll be beneficial. You know, a lot of times we think about these things. I think about it. My parents are getting older. They're not to the point where they're sick or having a bunch of issues. But you never know how long life Last or how long, you know, anything Tomorrow can happen, is not right? promised. Even with you and I, like we... No we, matter how we old don't you are. act like we're going to be around forever, so we no. even need to start planning and doing some stuff, which we kind of have in some areas, but not everything. We have discussions that we haven't actually executed our plans. Yeah. I think I'm more interested in it or more motivated to do so than you are. Yeah, we haven't got to it, but we yeah. need to. That is something that we do need to do because once you share your experience and yeah. kind of the, the difficulties of it, I think that'll bring everything in together is why the, yes. why it's so important. So. so the emotional impact of losing a loved one without preparation, that is something that I experienced because I, I did lose my second husband to COVID December 2020. And it was definitely unexpected. We were together for three and a half years, married for a year and three months, and it just came out of 
nowhere. And we were newlyweds, so we didn't have anything planned out. We didn't talk about, oh, what if one of one of us dies, or what do we do, you know, or what? How would you like your end of life to be? You know, we just didn't have these discussions. Like, do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Like, I had no idea. So, you know, as his wife, I had to make decisions. Right? It was a, a huge emotional impact. One, I'm already an emotional person, <laughs> and two, it was all of my emotions, but also having to deal with making decisions, right? Because he, he was hospitalized and for 21 days and 19 of the 21 days, he couldn't make his own decisions because he was intubated. So I, you know, had to check in every day. I had to make choices. Um, I don't know. It, it really took a toll and especially since it was so new for for me, like this marriage, and, and I didn't know how to navigate everything, but I did the best I could. I prayed every day, and I sought counsel from people, um, counselors at church that I trusted. I would call them. You know, Chris had um, a friend that was a nurse, and he trusted her, and I would talk to her every day every single day um you know and and she's like if you're feeling this you need to go in and he was feeling out of breath and short of breath so we went in we didn't know it was going to take that long like I thought it was going to be more like of an in and out and I don't know so so the emotional impact and without preparation I think it would have been in my opinion a little bit easier to manage if we were prepared if we had a plan in place if I knew exactly what his wishes were you know I think that would have at least given me a little bit more peace of mind like oh my gosh I did everything he wanted I did everything that we discussed yeah I would be heartbroken still sad still emotional but at least it would be a little easier in in my opinion you just wouldn't be bearing so much as far as you were already dealing with loss you were already dealing with you know the 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 impact of it because there wasn't really any like preparation for it. It was just, it yeah. just came, and then after now you're you're responsible for everything that comes up and happens. You know you had some family that was around and stuff, but you still yes. had to be the one that to go and do all this stuff. And um, it, yeah, that that's a lot to carry. It's 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 uh, it's hard when you're already dealing with loss, and now now well that, I think. Or, the whole planning part if there was a plan it having a plan and knowing that you fulfilled that plan for your loved one it does make you have a more peaceful transition I do believe that I don't believe that my transition into widowhood was that peaceful (laughs) um and and there's a lot of questions and I still sometimes question things but I've learned that everything happens for a reason and I can't continue to live my life in the past. One, that's not healthy. And two, Chris wouldn't have wanted me to do that. Um, So I think discussing end-of-life wishes is huge, 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 because it's not something that we did. But I knew um, that he would want to be here with us 
if he was 100% himself, right? Like, who would want to come back not 100% themselves mentally or physically? That's just the way he was. But I, I did call, I wasn't sure about, like, being cremated or being buried because we never discussed that. So I, I called his son, and, and I was like, well, do you did you guys ever know or discuss what his wishes were? Because we never discussed this. And he, he said whatever's cheapest because my dad was cheap which is so true and I kind of chuckled I was like you're right he would be like don't be spending money on flowers for me like no don't don't I don't need that I'm not even there to see them so you know so the, the cheapest route was cremation um not the not being buried I think that's more expensive so we went that route and you know it's all these decisions like who's going to write the eulogy and who's going to make the slideshow and planning the whole service like what do you even want on your for your service what songs do you want to be played you know and i feel like the that part the funeral service is really more for your loved ones who are still here grieving it's not once once you're dead they you don't care it's like do whatever is going to make you feel better like Going through this whole experience for me, I just having to go through all that planning because I really didn't get to grieve until after the funeral was over. I was like, I got to get this done. I had a list. I had to plan this. I had to get the slideshow done and all the stuff that goes into planning it. I didn't get to actually breathe and grieve till after it was all finished. And so for me, I don't want my family to be burdened with that. So me, being the planner that I am, already know what I want at my service, what colors, what flowers, what food, what songs, basically everything. They're in my mind right now. They're not written down. But I know we've discussed it. Like I've shared with you, like, hey, I don't want nobody to wear black. I want everybody to wear bright neon colors, celebrate life, (laughs) like that's what I want, right? Um, but I do plan on having like an end of life, uh, like binder or book or just maybe some somewhere on the cloud where it somebody can access it and be like, okay, this, these were her wishes, and 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 that would ease the burden of my family, um, not having to make decisions while they're mentally processing and grieving at the same time. I think would help yeah you know it I, I I know we've talked a little bit about it and you've even asked me and I'm in that same category where I'm like I don't care I don't put me in a box and throw <laughs> me in the grave or whatever because I'm not gonna be here so that's I'm like as long as I don't feel it I'm you cool. really don't care no, I, don't. I would prefer not to like be buried said, six feet underground no no thanks <laughs> claustrophobic first of all <laughs> closer to hell um I, you want wow. worms all over my grave no thank you I, you know i don't like bugs first yeah. of all like i don't mind cremation cremation's a, no. a a good thing i mean it's quick i want me cremated. either way your body is gone i know you know it's know. so it doesn't really matter it as does. far as and like you said earlier a lot of times the services is what it is is for family to come together for that grievance mm-hmm. time for um, yeah. you know, to mourn that loss in a sense. But like you said, too, there, you, a lot of times the people that are closest to the person that is lost, 
sometimes they don't they don't experience that grievance for a while yeah because of the fact that they're busy with all the day-to-day things they're going to the bank they're going to the title company they're going to the insurance company you know this could be weeks out even after the funeral like it's okay what do we do with the house what do we do with the car what do we do with this like i gotta close his bank account that i'm not on or you know, and then you have to go get paperwork call his because boss. you weren't on the account, and gotta you got to prove that. I had to return his company vehicle, his company computer, his company phone. You know, all these things that happen after someone leaves us here on Earth is you got to follow through with all the rest of the stuff. You got to file a death certificate. You got to do all this paperwork. Um, and for me, in my planning mode, I was like, I got to make sure I include his parents. I got to make sure I include his siblings and his kids. And I want them to feel included. I want them be to be it. part of the planning, you know. And and they were, you know, as hard as it was. Um, but I do feel like a lot of it fell on me as his wife to get these things done. Yeah. You know, and but people would come to me for questions like, well, what are we going to do with this? Or we should probably do this. And like I wrote the eulogy myself and then I sent it to his sister. I was like, can you just like proofread it, look over it, change it, make it better? I don't know. Like I've won. I've never written a eulogy before. Oh, she made it so much better. It was so much more eloquent than what I had. And I even left myself out in the eulogy because I was so worried thinking about everyone else except for me and that's just how I am I always put everyone else first and so you know in the part of the eulogy where it says like um the name of the person is survived by spouse kids and the names all the I did not put myself down (laughs) and um I was just like crap you're right um I think it was um Chris's daughter-in-law that was like mentioned to me you forgot yourself jelly I was like oh my gosh and that's because my mind wasn't all there um so I did have you know people around me that were helpful and you know his son picked the songs I did the slideshow and 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 it was nice I ordered flowers by the way funeral flowers are very expensive you're better off going to whole foods and creating your own bouquet or even um, sprouts or Trader Joe's buying your own flowers creating your own bouquet obviously at that time you're not thinking you're grieving yeah. you don't think about these things um, also urns don't ever buy those urns Amazon from the actual <laughs> funeral home they're Do you know you can even buy coffins yes. from Amazon actually I did not know that no yeah. I've looked but at it the urns on Amazon are so much cheaper or the same thing shoot freaking buy a cookie jar honestly lid i am not you think i'm joking i might go to the cookie jar honestly i'm not gonna lie because you love cookies so much i actually thought i would just put Put you in in a cookie i would put you in a cookie jar your ashes would be in a bag nicely tight and in there and nobody can touch that i like it i like it i like it add some milk oh my gosh joking aside yes it's just so much cheaper but you don't think about these things and I didn't do my research as far as like choosing like I just went to the funeral home that everybody knows right French Brothers I think like everybody knows that one but there's so many options and I actually wouldn't go with them anymore like I would I would actually go with um, direct funeral services because they 
are local. They are the least expensive in town. I did kind of research like after yeah. the fact, but crazy. But just just so you guys know, like the, these planning, all this planning needs to be discussed between your loved ones. You know, between your husband and wife, between your parents. Yeah. You know, as your parents get older. Um, you know, I, I just think it's important. It, it it's causes less stress and burden on your loved ones who are still here, who need to grieve you, but can't because they have all these decisions that need to be made. Yeah. That's a discussion I need to have with, with my parents here soon and have, you know, plans and stuff. And there's some things that I found out, too, that, you know, even like for my parents, they own property. They have a home. They have a business that lands, uh, property mm-hmm. sits on. A lot of times people will just leave that over in a wheel so like if you have children and you have a home or land and stuff that you own a lot of times people will just leave that over and say oh well in my will I'm leaving it to them but that also leaves a burden on the people that are receiving that too because taxes so now if your land is worth like five hundred thousand dollars or hundred thousand dollars and now you're you're responsible or liable for thirty forty thousand dollars of taxes that Who you have you to provide it to the government. they have whoever you leave your property to they got to pay for the taxes. so there's there's certain things where you can write like a will and trust or you can do different things to where mm-hmm. you don't have those taxes that come up front and it's it's laid out a lot easier and smoother and uh, those so, are things that we need to do. Yeah. But how do you get to that point? How do you communicate those wishes? How do you communicate that? Well, I mean, like for, just to, before we start there, for the, the will, like, cause like my late husband did not have a will, did not have life insurance, didn't have anything like that in place. So everything has to go through probate court when you don't have a will but even if you have a will it still goes through probate court the only time that your assets do not go through probate court is if it's in a trust that's that's it so um the best option is to put everything that you won't own or everything you want to pass on in a trust so just so you know which I haven't done that. We haven't done that, but uh, I feel like we should eventually, you know. Well, and there, there's a pack. There's a. Don't you have something that's a like a step by step that kind of leads you to doing that, and you you're able to write everything out, put everything to where you you situate it, put it. Yeah. In a, uh, so well, I so you can actually make just another tip. Another tip. That's good. Um, good to know. When you create a will, because you have to have a will first, and then you put it in a trust. I think you actually do need a lawyer or an attorney or something for right. the trust. Um, I don't know how the trust works. I haven't gotten d- that deep in my research, but as far as the will goes, um, they lawyers or attorneys, whatever, a law offices, whatever, they do charge a lot for a will. Um, anywhere from like five hundred to two grand like it just depends on what kind of will you need or how much stuff you need on that will but I went to um, mamabearlegalforms.com and loved it and I got a will through there I think I only paid like $170 with taxes and everything and you can edit it up to six months and then of course if you need to update it which wills should be updated by the way um, as life changes and 
I found that the most economical way to do it and also it's laid out and easy. It, they You just fill out all the blanks and then at the end they give you the whole document and if you don't like it you can go and edit it. It's awesome. I loved it so much. And yeah, now yeah. that we're married, I got to redo it because that was just that was before you. Um, but anyways, so how do you... And I have to get one. You do. You do. Actually, when you're married, you can have a joint one. Oh, really? Yes. But I think that there should still be one separate yeah. as well. But anyway, so communicating in life wishes, how do you do that? With your loved ones. Well, our tip here says encouraging open conversation with loved ones about their end-of-life preferences, which we kind of talked a little <coughs> bit about. Excuse me. But, um, yeah, talking talking to the people that are in your life, you know, yeah. your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, and Bring saying, you know, when you pass mm-hmm. or you die, what do you expect? Like, what would you want? Maybe they're going to say, I don't care. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to be here like me. I don't care. But... A lot you of say times, you don't care, but I feel like you I care don't. a bit. I really don't. I really don't. Great. I, don't, I can't I wouldn't wait want then. people to spend money on flowers. I would rather say you give don't you, care? No, you don't give care. you gift cards to Amazon. And Okay. <laughs> what about Bruce? you care about Bruce? Because I'm just going to get rid of him. So that stuff's different. That stuff's different. That's like, what I thought. You, you're going to have, like, the stuff, materialistic stuff that you have, I think there should be a plan for that because okay. of the fact that there is... Um, like a lot of my stuff is in my name, mm-hmm. so if it's not in your name, then it makes it a lot more difficult for you yeah. to get those things. A bank account, like now our bank accounts are joined, so that would never be an issue. Except You'd still for your be able personal to, bank account. No, you're on the same thing. You have access to all of that. Every time I get a check, believe me, all she has access to it. <laughs> I get a text message like first thing in the morning i've transferred some money around (laughs) so she has access to it okay Um, you got a point (laughs) but there's certain things like that like sometimes you have vehicles or you have a home or um like when my parents pass we're gonna have their property we're gonna have to decide what to do to that property are we gonna keep it are we gonna rent it are we gonna do something to invest with that and have something to where we get a return off of it but then okay. if I pass away, then that's something that's, you So you're saying that there should be a plan for uh, assets and what you own and personal things. Yeah. But the service really, I don't care really about. You don't really care about your no. end of life. Like, I don't like care about service, the songs, or, all that stuff. Because I know you would take care of that and that would be completely fine. And everyone that's coming in for that, it's for the... It's kind of like when you have a wedding and a honeymoon. <laughs> you know, when you get married... You can have this big blown out wedding and you can do all kinds of stuff and invite everyone to come and eat. You're paying the bill for your event to make everyone come and eat, to feed them. Or you can spend that money on a vacation and go somewhere really nice. That's kind of like the way I see it. I I can spend money on a funeral or. I get that, but your family is going to be grieving and making all these choices. No, I'll have videos telling them, don't cry. I'm not even here. I feel nothing. You're going to make videos. I'm going to make videos right now. You know what? If you're watching this video, I'm no longer here. This might be 30 years from now, 50 years from now. And you know what? I'm in a good place. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm good. Okay. My life is good. Babe, hold on a second. (laughs) Just back up because there's more to end of life wishes than just 
oh, am I going to get cremated or like, or funeral decisions? No, there's more to end of life. Like, what if you're hospitalized? Mm. Do you want me to pull the like plug the or do you not? I don't like, like how hospital. long do you want me to leave you connected to? If my to, life is right with Jesus and I'm dying and I, I'm going down that route where like he may not come back from this at all. I'd say let it go. Okay, well, who determines if your life is right with Jesus? I'd play Rox's papers and say, who's going to pull it? You, Christian, Elijah. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> uh, no, no. There, there are things that are, are very serious about it. Like <sighs> the fact, those those things when you are in the hospital. I would not, I, I haven't really thought about it, but I would not want to be in a place like that dying or suffering. I right. I do not want to die in a place like that. I would rather say, let me come home, and put me to bed, yeah. let me do my thing there, and then... Actually, I have thought about, I have thought about it quite a bit after Chris, and I don't want to die in a hospital. I don't. The, During, way, the way he passed was horrible. Well, during COVID. And miserable because the, the hospitals and people were on this big thing of we can't allow anybody yeah. in or only one person. Yeah. And to be in that situation, I, I, I remember being in the hospital when he was in the hospital. I was there for a few days and I couldn't have visitors. I couldn't have anything. I, I had my phone and thank God I was able to communicate with people. But I can only imagine being in that situation when you're literally fighting for your life and you can't have people around you that you love encouraging you and being yeah. there for you and you had to fight to get people in there to be able well, to well yeah us, I, I wasn't you know? able to visit him um the first two days he was lucid and he wasn't intubated yet so he had his phone and we could facetime and um the night before he was intubated we talked through FaceTime for like a whole hour um, before it was time we were tired and time to go to bed um, and the FaceTime thing is nice but I wanted to physically be the there yeah. it's not the same and as a patient having visitors is part of your healing too like yeah. I think not having visitors is a detriment to your health you know and there was, I even remember um, he had texted me or it was a phone call. I can't remember if it was a text or phone call. But he had said, I think they're letting visitors in now because I just saw a woman and a little girl with their dog. Yeah, I know. I, I, don't, I think he was hallucinating. Yeah. But he, is halluc he was hallucinating what? like visitors because he wanted visitors in my opinion yeah. and and I even asked the nurse about that and she was like no absolutely not we have had no visitors I was like huh so he was seeing things okay um and then the next day he was intubated and thankfully because someone at church that we know made a call to Loveless and was able to get us in as visitors one visitor per day um, couldn't leave the room if you left then you were done visiting for the day like so man when we first got that call that we could go I was like I'm going I hadn't even eaten I had just showered but I hadn't eaten just so I just picked up and left and I think I ended up going like seven o'clock at night or something like that and I ended up staying for as long as I could hold my bladder and because there's no restrooms there you can't use the restrooms in there 
And so I ended up staying till like nine in the morning. Like I did, I basically did a 14 hour shift without using the restroom. And I was like, okay, I definitely need sleep. And then the next day his, his sister went and then his son would go. And then we kind of just rotated uh, me and his son. And it was nice to at least have the option to, for one of us to be there. But I think because we weren't there for like the first week, it was awful. The waiting, the sitting and waiting at the phone for an update. And then the nurses get so busy with all their patients that they don't call and update you. So you have to call and get an update. And I even provided an iPad in the room so that they could FaceTime me and I could see him and yeah. So once we were able to go in, it was a lot better, I think. Um, but still, not, it's just not a good experience. Yeah. So, so that's the end of life wishes that I'm talking about. Like, when if you were to be in a hospital, like, what would you want? Because that's also something that me and Chris never discussed. Like, well, what if I get intubated? What should we do? How long do we go for? Like, do you even want to be intubated? Like, you know, yeah. stuff like that. No, I think, think those that. those are very important things to discuss and have planned out. Just because. It's gonna take off that burden off of you trying to have to dis make all those decisions. If it's already written out, then it's it's mm -hmm. a lot easier for you just to check those off and say, okay, this is what he wants. This is what he wants. You know. Yeah. And it makes it easier from you feeling guilty that you had to pull the plug or that you had to make a decision like this or you had to do something when you're not completely sure about it. So, I think that's uh, important. So have the com communication. Have that talk. Have that discussion to, so to bring that to the forefront. You mentioned earlier that you need to have this discussion with your parents. How do you plan on bringing it up? Bring by by saying, "Hey, you know, I so I've talked to them a little bit about it already, and I know they do have some things set up. I know they've made changes and they've gone to the bank and they've uh, put me on as as like a person that can take care of the account or do whatever." Um, it's most of the property they've TOD. written yeah they've written stuff where um i'm on the property and stuff like that and for the business and stuff but um those are the things that we've we've kind of already had but there's more to it you know the as far as if we're talking about like where they do they want to be buried do they want to be cremated do they want to you know where they want the service to be all that stuff that i think haven't. i have an idea about mm -hmm. it but i'm not clear on it so that shows that I need to to really have that discussion. The thing that you keep bringing up is if they're in the hospital, if something's wrong with them, and they are in the point to the point to where, you know, they can't make decisions on their own. What decisions should I be making? Because I don't have brothers or sisters or other people that yeah. can be part of it. So that responsibility falls on me. Um, again, like I think I know, but it's assumption. It's not written it's not something that we've discussed and actually made an agreement on so yeah. it it's something that I, I i plan on doing and need to do here soon i keep putting it off and keep putting it off but you know a lot of times that's where you have that situation where you're surprised by it and you then you're like ah, oh, i don't want to do it you know and mm -hmm. i'm the type of person that i will not want to take care of that stuff if i have to go to the banks if i have to go courthouses if i have i'm going to be like you know what i i, I don't want to do it Especially yeah. when you're grieving. He does not like to do paperwork. He doesn't no. like to call into call centers. Nope. 
I mean, I have never seen him so frustrated ever till he had to call his credit card company. Yeah, I got in an argument with a guy, I and I told like, him he was miserable at doing his job. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I definitely do not see you handling things. No, but... But if you have things planned out and you're on those things, like if your name is on there, hey, my name is Jeremy Tafoya, my father passed away, my mother passed away, whatever, then they're like, oh, hello, Mr. But Tafoya, how are you doing? So you're part of it. a so. lot of things. Like whenever I had to call, you know, um, our homeowner's insurance, our car insurance, and transfer things into my name that were only in his name, it's like, okay, well, do you have a death certificate? Yes. Do you have the letter of his personal representative? Yes, because I was his personal representative, right? When there is nothing in place, you actually have to file a personal representative form and, and appoint someone. If they don't have somebody as an appointed personal representative, you got to appoint one. So I had to fill all that out. I mean, it's a lot of paperwork that a lot of people don't know has yeah. to happen. But I think if you have that prepared and you have that file, you have that folder, you know where it's at. And then when you do receive the death certificate, that goes in that file. That everything that you get yeah. goes in that file. And when you're ready to go to somewhere, you've got everything on hand to be able to do it. You know, the other thing that I think of that a lot of people have to deal with is a lot of times family. Whenever a family goes through loss, a lot of times that's when family is not in the best part in brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and everyone's fighting and arguing and you know materialistic things become a like it it's yes it's, it's horrible it, it could be it, i've it never experienced be. it i i never believe i it's, will because it's i'm the only like child but people come out and like Oh, well, what do I get? What do I get? And I actually didn't have to experience that, which is great. I mean, Chris's family is great. They're great people. And there wasn't even much, really anything to fight over, yeah. you know. We just had the house and he, he had his car. His car was already his son's and the house we bought together. And it was in yeah. his name, but it was a house that we both chose together four days before we got married, actually. We closed on it. Mm. So, um, you know, it was, it, there wasn't really much, like just his personal belongings, which I kept what I wanted and I gave the rest to his parents and, and that was that. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't really that hard um, as far as personal items and that kind of stuff goes. I mean, there was some other hard aspects, which we'll touch on a different episode because this episode is not about that, but um, other hard emotional aspects is what I'm trying to say so yeah I think that the whole managing financial affairs is definitely something that needs to be discussed as well uh, not just your end of life wishes but how do you want things to go down with your bank with your house with your car or, you know yeah that kind of stuff well those are those are important things to discuss so we've we've communicate uh, communicating li end of life wishes, managing financial affairs. Yeah. Funeral and understanding the importance kind of, of planning for loss, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah, we kind of talked a little bit about funeral and burial burial arrangements as well. You know, they're gonna ask you lots of questions, like, do you want it want the body to be embalmed or not, like. If you're going to do cremation, you don't need to pay for embalming. And then if you're going to do the um, burial, then yes, 
else you want to preserve, you know, especially if you're going to have a viewing. Do you um, have to do that? The embalming? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think you have to. No. Um, I wouldn't want it. <laughs> no? No. It involves needles and all no, kinds of stuff. Not. Yeah. I don't know they what it involves. They stick a big old needle in you and pump all this fluid in you. Oh, you're going to feel it? No, I just don't want it. <laughs> so you do care. Wow. Ah. Okay. Yeah, Anyways. I think we're going to have to have a further discussion because we've discussed these things like more at surface level. We haven't gone mm-hmm. deep down as to like, hey, this yeah. is the plan, yeah. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, the the last topic, I, I, I know that is, that's, that's always a toss-up in the air because of the fact that people deal with grief in a different way so what i'm talking about is coping with grief and loss yeah um myself i haven't had a whole lot of people that have been like really close to me that i've lost and i could probably count them on like one hand so my parents are still alive and i haven't dealt with that thank god that hasn't happened i hope it doesn't happen for another 20 years or more but um, when that comes to to be, how do you prepare for that? How do you cope with grief and loss? You know, I think I don't I don't in a way I don't really think you can be prepared for it. But I think if you in your mind and in your beliefs, if you are at peace with things, it makes the grief and loss a little bit easier. Am I right well, on that? Yeah, I will, that I will true? say. Because I'm just guessing. I don't, I don't even know. So I have experienced loss three times, four times in my life. My first time was my Aunt Yvonne, who died tragically when she, I think she was 40, um, and I was 15. And I, we were really close. She was my favorite aunt. Every time I was in Alamogordo, we'd spend a lot of time together. So that was my first experience with floss. That was the first time I saw a dead body in a coffin. And it didn't even look like her because she was hit by a train. And so it really messed up her whole face. But they tried to put her back together as best as she could, as best as they could. So, you know, I was 15. That was a different type of loss. I didn't know how to process that, I'm sure. Um, Then my grandpa passed when I was 19, I would say. And second body I seen in a coffin. And, you know, that one I think was a little bit easier to process just because, you know, he was already of old age. He lived a great life. I always think that it's still hard because you're going to miss them. Uh, and you don't want to see your loved ones dead. But at least, you know, I knew that he loved Jesus. He was a believer. I know he's in heaven and I'm going to see him again. And he lived a great life. And so... With my aunt, it was different because she was still young. She was 40. She left three kids. You know, she still had a lot of life to live. Um, but also a, a, a really amazing woman of God that, that I got to know. And <clears throat> then my third loss was was Chris, my late husband. And my fourth loss was after him, which is my grandma um, on my dad's side, both my grandpa on my dad's side and my grandma. So my grandma passed after. She was also, I think, late 60s, maybe early 70s. I really can't remember because I'm not really good with ages. But, <coughs> excuse me. Um, 
but I think out of all the losses that I experienced, Chris was definitely the hardest. And it was because he was my husband. He was the person I was closest to because when you're husband and wife, you do become one flesh, right? And so that is the hardest loss I had ever had to endure. This is, you see them every single day. You go to bed with them every single night. You talk to them every day. I mean, you rely on this person every single day. And then one day they're just gone. And so I think that it is important to actually cope and deal with your grief and loss. One of the things um, that I had mentioned earlier was I didn't get to really grieve until after the funeral, right? Like I did the night that he passed, I came home and I came home by myself. I had nobody to come home with me. I, I think my mom tried to come comfort me and be here. I didn't want her here. I didn't want anybody really. I didn't want anybody to come comfort me. I just wanted to be alone and cry in my bed alone. And um, it was uh, it was Chris's cousin who actually called me as I was driving home from the hospital, left me a voicemail. And I still have the voicemail on my phone to this day, and I listen to it sometimes. I have a lot of voicemails I still listen to. And then um, I did end up calling her when I got home. And that was comforting because she has also gone through loss herself, uh, losing her son, which is a whole different type of grief, I think. Um, I, I do think that grief is different for the types of relationships that we lose, like grief of losing a husband or losing a child or losing a parent, you can't compare them. Yes, there's similarities, but the grief is definitely different depending on the relationship. Yeah. And and I think it's also important to find people that you can talk to and not just bottle it all up. So yeah. like I did go to counseling every month, um, probably like once a week. And then, and then I brought it down to like once a month until I felt better, I guess. I don't know. I didn't. You did I, that for quite a I, while. I though, did right? it for quite a while, yeah. And then I also started working out and using that as an outlet. Yeah. Um, just to all that pent up energy and pent up like emotion. Like I started working out and I would work out hard and I'd be so pissed off working out. I was like, ugh. Like, I'd punch punching bags or I'll just do whatever the workout was. I would throw all of my anger into that workout. And that seemed to have helped me. I never actually went to, like, one of the grieving and loss classes that they offer at church. I, I got invited to them. I never actually went. Um, I don't know why. I think it's because the one-on-one -on -one counseling was helping me, and I really didn't feel like being around a bunch of criers. <laughs> Honestly, because I just, when one cries and everybody starts crying, I don't know. I just know. But I will tell you that um, part of grieving, there's different stages. You get angry, right? I didn't pray for like a couple months, yelled at God. And then I went through anxiety. Like I would be driving, and this is so dangerous, but I'd be driving and all of a sudden, uncontrollable tears and crying out of my eyes while I'm driving. And I was, like, having a hard time breathing. And I couldn't see the road, but I kept driving. And this happened at least three or four times. And I couldn't, I couldn't control it. I just couldn't stop it. And 
as months went by, that kind of anxiety stopped um, coming up, which was great. But I'd get pissed off over everything. Like, I never had to do the backyard, and then I had to do the backyard and pick up the leaves and do all this stuff. And then I'd be mad at Chris, and I'd be yelling at him, and I'd be like, you should be here. You should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I'd have conversations with myself, conversations with Chris, conversations with God. And it's just there's a lot that goes into how you cope and deal with grief and loss. And there's no right or wrong way. It's whatever works for you. And I think a lot of people don't get that. You know, for me, after two months, I could not stand looking at his clothes in my closet anymore because it was depressing. It was sad. I kept going in the closet, crying into his clothes and smelling them. I just, I didn't want to do that anymore. I, Carter was still here. My son, I had I still had purpose and I still had something to live for no matter how sad I was. So I knew that I had to do something. So I just out of sight, out of mind and moved it into a different room in in the house and stuff like that. You know, it's your timing and you do what works for you in your timing. And that is what I, I learned. And it doesn't matter what other people think, what other people will say or their opinions it doesn't matter because they are not living your life you have to live your life you have to wake up every day and live and see all the things you got to see pictures on the wall you got to all this stuff and so you have to do whatever is going to help you grieve better and that's what I did even though I was still a little bit worried like oh my gosh what are they going to say what are they going to do it was in the back of my mind But at the end of the day, I have to take care of my mental health and my physical health. And I have to also be an example to my son at the same time, which I didn't make the best choices either because, you know, part of my grieving was also drinking, right? I I did go through a little phase where I I did over drink and it's because I wanted to let all my emotion of it, but I went, I got past it and I went to counseling still and I still served in church even though I didn't feel like serving God I'm like okay here I am I'm serving don't want to but I'm here and I am so grateful that I did because it got me through it so anyways long answer but I think putting people around you that you can trust and that are going to speak into your life and help you navigate through that is important yeah and then you know like you said you you're, everybody copes in their own way. There's some people that will hold on to everything and keep rooms the way they were and do all yeah. this stuff. And some people aren't like that. They want to so, keep know, everything as is, like they yeah. never left, and that's okay. I'm just not one of those people. However it's going to help you get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a few voicemails from him I still listen to every year. There's, you know, certain things I still do because of him. You know, there's and a little quirks. I think that's important, you know, because you, you can still honor the life yeah. of someone that's no longer here by celebrating their life through things that they've done or things that you've done with them. Yes. Um, I know there's a recipe that you like that he used to like. That, that you know, yeah. those those things are are ways to keep memories because yeah. in, in a sense, you're never going to forget that person in your life. You're never going to forget mm-hmm. what they did, what they brought, who they were. But there's things that you can celebrate that. Yeah. And don't 
ever feel bad about celebrating those times because mm-hmm. those are important. You know, there's know. there's times that are cherished and are very important to you. And, yep. You know, keep there, those. I have three recipes that I will always cook now. You know, so it's is chicken salad, chicken noodle soup, and um, for Thanksgiving it's the um, uh, soup potato souffle. Those are the three, and I will forever have them. You know, there's just little things. I always put pepper in my ketchup now because he taught me that, or just just little things that I will, when I do them, I it reminds me of him. And sometimes I like look up and I'm like, see, you know, that's <laughs> see what just, I did. Yeah, you know, and awesome. and it's it's just because somebody decides to move forward with their life or get rid of their clothes sooner than people expect or stuff like that it doesn't mean that you don't love them or you didn't love them enough or that you're not going to miss them or that you still don't think about them or miss them because that is absolutely completely wrong because I think about him more often than not and um and I actually am really appreciative to have someone by my side that understands that and that allows me to bring him up if I want to or share some memory that I that I had of him right that's because sometimes I I will I'll have a memory randomly in the kitchen or something I'm like oh I remember when he used this and we got in a fight or this I didn't like (laughs) or you know like I think I think the most recent one was that (laughs) potato potato peeler peeler that he loves so much. I was like, I do not love this. It was rusted, and he still thought it was the best potato peeler. Um, But you know, stuff like that, and and it's okay. And so, yeah, I'm just really grateful for you that you allow me to express myself and just be me and share that with you. Yeah, we've we've heard some stories of other. people that have had loss of a husband and now there's a new person in that person's life and they don't so much like the fact that they bring up their their spouse that's no longer there their late husband and like stuff. they get jealous you know, almost. I, I don't i don't think that should ever be i don't think that should ever be something that you burden someone with because that's not something that you chose. Neither of you chose. It's not something right. that was ever planned. It was nothing that that was ever um, like prepared for. But you still have to live. Like you said, you still have to live your life. You still have to move on. You had your son. You've got you know work. You still got bills. You got to provide. You got to yeah. do all this stuff. And. You know, there is future. There is hope for, for new beginnings, and we're testimony of that. But, you know, I, I I would never want to, I guess, how would you say, like compress or make you feel like you can't bring that up. Because I, I knew Chris. He was a wonderful man. He was amazing. He was a friend of mine. And, you know, there's things that I still miss of, of not being able to, um, you know his sarcasm and st- certain <laughs> things that that we used to text and have stuff like that, uh, banter with back and forth with each other. If people would ever read our text messages, they're probably like, "You guys don't like each other much, do you?" <laughs> but actually, we did. You yeah. Know? And um, I think honoring him in every way, and I always tell my wife this as well that you know sometimes she's like, "Oh, you know, I don't like." 
there, there's still a lot of memories that happen within the house. And there's some things that, you know, she wants to change sometimes. And in my mind, I'm, I'm always thinking, well, babe, that's not a bad thing. Like, if it brings up memories. But there, there's different things, you know, and I'm not experiencing that. She experiences things in a different way. So, you know, there's there's ways that you experience things in life. And there's memories that you have. And you walk around a corner. You remember seeing a person sitting there. And sometimes it could be a good experience. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was a bad experience. So, you know, so changing things around the house and home and stuff but i think anytime that thought or memory comes up with that person it should be celebrated because his life was worthy of celebrating yes i agree yeah good so well babe conclusion (laughs) out of this thing and then we'll go to our well we hope that this episode today on how to navigate loss how to prepare for the unexpected helps i hope that um some of our insights and our experiences that we have shared will basically bring to light or maybe bring up some topics that you want to discuss with your loved ones right we hope that you have these open conversations with them as far as planning for the unexpected because we just never know because tomorrow is not promised so if you have any comments please let us know you know, if you like this episode, share it. If you have an opinion, share that too. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, if, if this has hit home and maybe there's people in your life that you know that can um, benefit from this, you know, share this with them. Let them know, you know, hope is something that just doesn't come from nothing, you know. A lot of times we have to hear other people's experiences. We have to hear other people's opinions on things to apply it to our lives, you know, and there's there's certain things that we can do to make things better. So if there's someone out there that you know that can benefit from it, share it, let them see it. Um, we hope that it's brought some great, you know, discussions, some valuable content to you guys and that you guys can use this. And, you know, one of the other things that I always want to start to share a little bit is, you know, we're not professionals in any, th- any of this. This isn't something right. where we're trying to counsel you or be your therapist or anything. But we truly feel that our experiences and what we've gone through in life, just as you've had stuff that's gone through you in your life, you can benefit from others. We heal from stories. We grow from stories. We grow from what other people go through. So we want to just encourage you with the things that we've gone through and see a different view. You know, a lot of times we look at our our optimistic view or we see the way we see view things and we just want to share that with you guys to be able to encourage you and that's the whole purpose of this is to exactly. encourage you inspire you and keep you moving forward so. well, we appreciate your support and we look forward to bringing you more valuable content in future episodes this is turning the page with jer and Joe. thanks guys have a good day bye